This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Hello and welcome to another installment of COVID Report, a show that is dedicated to providing you with comprehensive coverage and factual information of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm your host, Garabo Asala, and I'm joined by the spectacular Gameli Shepovana. And we, of course, back again with another relevant topic to unpack right here on the COVID Report On today's show, we will be unpacking the long-term effects that COVID has had in our culture and expound on the role that traditional leaders have played during the pandemic. And joining us to do so is uh, a guest that we have had the pleasure of having on the show before. It is my pleasure to introduce Prince Manene Tabane, the Kontrolesa Gauteng Provincial Chairperson. Prince, thank you so much for joining us on the COVID report and welcome to the show. Could you please start by talking us through the various ways that the adherence to the adverse impact on the effectiveness of the response to COVID-19 and the task that traditional leaders have faced with relaying the information to their various community members during this difficult time? Thank you. You have said it very loud and clear. The challenges that we are faced as traditional leaders. I just want to repeat and echo what we have said, that we are not even complaining, but we have been outside line. Now, in instances such as this, what is it that you are going to tell your communities or your people that there is this kind of a challenge that we need to address? Because in the first place, honestly, we have never had any communication directly with the government to inform us about the coronavirus and its impact and its challenges. We are also in the dark as traditional leaders. I thought that when President Ramaphosa said we are moving to level three, that means a gathering of 100 people outside is allowed and a gathering of 50 people inside the roof of the house is allowed. I thought that the government will engage us to say, let's take this message to the communities, to traditional leaders in the various communities across the country. But that has not happened. We're still faced with the challenge with that regards. I've heard that the government is communicating through the social media platforms, which it also imposes challenges because we lack network communication in the rural areas. Secondly, we do not have these sophisticated phones that we can be able to read and understand what is happening. But the other challenge is the pumping of misconceptions regarding the COVID-19 and its impact and its challenges, if those are going to be a misconceptions. Because when we had various stories in the social media, people tend to listen to them. But I say the government is not able to control what is being pumped in the social media. Therefore, people will take different views and arrive at conclusions that will satisfy them. I guess that is why there is hesitancy in going to the vaccination center and vaccinate. It is because of the information that is pumped in the social media, where government is not able to reach the communities and educate them about these challenges. Even for us as a first line of defense, as traditional leaders, the government knows where we are. He knows our structure, contra which represent traditional leaders in the country, where we should have engaged engagement with the government so that we are able to prepare our people to say, let's go to these communities. And then people should be informed. People should be allowed to ask questions. If I may tell you the honest truth is that as we speak now, I've got six people 
who came to me and say, we have got challenges since we have taken these vaccines. Now, that's where the challenge is. Who should we refer this because the government doesn't come to us? Should we rely to the social media platforms that will further give different versions and people will arrive at different conclusions? That is our concern also. We have not been approached by the government. Indeed, Prince, you have just alluded to the various challenges that have been further exacerbated upon the plethora of traditional leaders here in South Africa due to the lack of assistance from government level. So with that considered, can you talk us through the ways in which traditional leaders have attempted to relay this safety information and relay all of this other information pertaining to vaccines and adherence to safety regulations to the communities that they serve. Thank you. Look, I guess it was early this year when President Ramaphosa approached our NWC, meaning the National Working Committee. The call was made just to inform traditional leaders that can you go out and request or encourage people to go and vaccinate so that they are able to prevent the spread of the virus. But the questions now, after we have done that, the questions are that, what is it that you know better with the consequences of this virus? Because these are the challenges that we are faced with now after taking these vaccines. I understand that the purpose of the vaccines is to save lives or is to destroy any disease that is, that's just come out. So, and we also understand that vaccines will also have side effects. But what we led to was that, how do we respond to the communities when they ask such questions? Because we're only told to go and encourage people to vaccinate without being told what is it exactly that we are taking to the people. If such questions are being raised, how are we going to respond to them? Because people are saying, these are the things that happens to us after we're vaccinated. So how do we respond to that question? And I guess there's a challenge in that regard. I remember very well in, in the news and TV, there were a group of traditional healers in Pumalanga who then said, oh, government must approach us because we've got means, alternative measures, alternative medicines that can assist while the government is still struggling to get the best thing that can deal with this challenge. We are also told that uh, the vaccine, even if you're vaccinated, it doesn't mean that you are safe from that. You can be infected again. Those are the questions that we're not able to answer because the people will then say, why should I vaccinate if still I'm going to be infected? Yes, we get stories that uh, uh, you are putting your life, your, your life at a better position when you are vaccinated. But have we been told by the scientists that these are the challenges? And when these challenges are upon you, this is how we have to react. But in my view, what we have seen, it's a push for us to go and encourage people to vaccinate. But the government doesn't get into the space of addressing the misconceptions or the messages that are pumped in the social media, which contradicts with what the government is trying to convey to the community. We have those challenges. The gospel truth is that even if we take this message to the communities, but it is a struggle for us to convince people. Other people will then say, you are not even scientists. What is it that you know? Because we are faced with these challenges. May I give you an example? of a man that I met two days ago. He then said, can you assist me since I've taken this vaccine? 
I always hear sounds in my ears that are ending as if you are in a play. That sound, I've gone to hospital three times, but there is no solution to this effect. I'm giving you a typical example that how am I going to assist this man? Because he has been to the hospital three times. You see, once you get that story and the old man will share the story to many people, then those people will be scared. The level of hesitancy will increase. Who should intervene? That is the government. What ways of communication that will be there by the government to assist people? It's another challenge. Should I go and say, this is not the truth that you are telling me, and yet this person is vaccinated, and he's telling me that before I vaccinate, I did not have this kind of a challenge. Let's all agree that vaccines are there to assist and save lives. But let's balance the act. Whilst we're encouraging people to go and vaccinate, let's also uh, get into the space of the challenges that people are being faced with so that we are able to say and send the same message to the communities. Prince Tabane, if you could, for the benefit of those listening to the COVID report at this point in time, could you please talk us through the background surrounding the apparent tensions that appear to exist between the institutions of traditional leadership and local government. And what would you say are the benefits and the need for it to be resolved in order for the traditional leaders to have a much easier time helping the members of the various communities that they serve? Thanks very much. Look, I'm happy because you know the challenges, you know the story that some time ago, do we have these challenges? that there were no working relationship between traditional leaders and the local government structure, which is also a structure of the government. We had a belief that when we have the local government structure on the ground, that is the only structure that is closer to us as traditional leaders, so that we were able to solve problems amicably rather than escalate tensions that are necessary between us. But what we find that the information may be disseminated from the national level down to the local level, but the challenge is that there is this information that does not reach the traditional leaders, whereas we're in the same level between the local governments here and the traditional leaders. That also hampers the development in various ways. For an example, the issue of communicating these messages. In our expectation, it was that when there are these messages coming from the government, the local government sphere, municipalities, will be those ones that will be easily reaching us in our communities because we're in the same area with them. But that does not happen. It is a challenge that needs to be resolved. But as you have indicated and alluded to that, it has been long there that we don't have this working relationship. Yes, I agree. Tensions were very serious after 94 when the municipalities and councillors were put in place because there was this feeling that they are taking our powers and they are undermining the system of the traditional. You see, there were many echoes to say the after 94 traditional leaders have no role in the communities, but we have proved them wrong. Let me tell you, I'm here in Gauteng. I'm just making a quick example. We have recognized by the people that they know where we come from. Who are we back from home? And here in Gauteng, people will always come to us when there are disputes rather than go to Western coast because they do not have money. In that way, our own people, they still recognize us. But the challenge is that even the government in Gauteng, they've got this tendency in their song to say, we do not have traditional leaders in Gauteng. So they don't recognize that part. But we have people, as we speak now, how do we communicate this message of this challenge as we are here? 
Is the government, local sphere, has enough capacity to interact with our people and tell them what is it that, because people will then, some of the people will then say, have you reported this matter to the traditional leader? So we have those challenges. But I guess people should wake up. The government should make sure that mistakes that happened in the past, we should not repeat them because there's this belief to say we learn from the mistakes, but seemingly now we don't learn from the mistakes. These challenges are continuous and there's no need to have such conditions and challenges to exist while we are able to, ch- to, to address Indeed. Now, could you please talk us through where you stand on the argument of using African knowledge systems in finding a solution to the COVID-19 pandemic? I'm referring to the argument of using traditional African medicine, the use of or the incorporation of African traditions and ideals and customs to help combat this pandemic and the challenge that you as traditional leaders face with trying to incorporate all of this African knowledge in addition and in conjunction with, quote-unquote, the science behind this pandemic. Thank you. Look, I was impressed two days or three days ago when I watched the news uh, TV suit that they've made strides through traditional medicines, a medicine that will be able to deal combine the spread of the virus. I think that should be taken note of that we need, while we do not have from the Western side, any medication that will deal with this challenge. So we need to have that. We have a structure in our society, which is called the traditional healers. They are organized, it's an organized formation that needs to be attended to by the government. They have been appealing to government that take us on board so that we are able also to contribute positively to the challenges that are faced by the government. But up until today, the government have made no strides to engage those structures so that we are able to say uh, collectively so we are able to face and address these challenges. A typical example is that what was revealed from Lesotho that they are working on an African herbs that can be able to deal with or combat the spread of the coronavirus. It has not happened in that way. And it's not amazing, this point, that since time immemorial, even before 1652, people were living normally and they were using these medicines, which now our government, they are totally neglecting them. It's very painful. I guess one day you will call also traditional healers to have a say in this platform. I was, we were, we were so at pains when Lingana was introduced, but the government didn't even utter a word. Even when Madagascar came up with the issue of Lingana, the South African government kept quiet. But what we are seeing now is the issue of the push of these Western medicines, which we are saying we have been using them since we were born. They are good for us. But if there are challenges such as this one, why not looking at the alternative medicines that can assist? They are not far. You cannot spend even money. Bring traditional healers. There was a good example in Tanzania when the late president, Mauguli Kufuru, requested traditional leaders and the scientists in Tanzania to come together and find a solution to this challenge. I thought that even in our country, there will be that kind of a call. Now, Prince Tabana, your answer to my previous question is symptomatic of an issue we covered earlier in our discussion, and it's not apparent anymore. There does appear to be a very real disconnect 
between these institutions of traditional leadership and local government. In your opinion, what do you think it will take to prioritize the issue of processing the confirmation of all the indigenous knowledge and medical interventions during this pandemic and beyond, and also to accelerate the integration of African traditional methods into the ways in which government is currently trying to address both the spread of this virus as well as the end of this pandemic. And what do you think it will take to cross this bridge and mend these fences between the institutions of traditional leadership and local government? The local government sphere represents government in total. Now, if traditional leaders, the institution, have a common ground meeting with the local sphere, uh, I don't think it will take time. To cross the bridge, it will be a matter of when and how. But it cannot take centuries to address this challenge. Look, we have, you have heard, Mshikaz, that there are traditional herbs that we are using currently, that we are encouraging people to, to use them to defend themselves from this virus, something that has been used. If you smell eucalyptus, which is made from ikam tree, and it's all over ikam tree. People take that and they steam with ikam tree. They use umsonyane aband, they use econofol to protect themselves. For as long as the government that doesn't come to party, people will use their own medicines. We have traditional leaders in the local municipalities. But even there, we still have a challenge. We have been getting this observer status. We don't participate. So always in the government, we'll have a middleman who will speak on our behalf because we're not engaging. We only get the observer status in the municipalities, which we feel it should be addressed and reworked around that so that we have a meaningful participation. That's how I think we can zoom in with the advices such as these, because traditional healers are not far from us. They stay with us. Allow them and give them chance government to talk to them. Why should you close your eyes on the side of the traditional healing? And yet it has been here since time immemorial. Indeed, Prince. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Could you please talk us through the challenge and the level of difficulty with which traditional leaders have met the challenge of helping people within the rural communities that they serve to adhere to these restrictions to further mitigate the impact of this pandemic? Indeed, Mkhekas, what you have said, it's mouthful. There is this disconnect. It is a fact. But then the contribution that I've seen in the rural areas, traditional leaders are trying their utmost best. But the challenge is that even them, they are not empowered to have more say in terms of addressing these challenges. You go to these imbizos, always there'll be a person from the traditional community, from the airport, who then say, these are the regulations that we have been told that we should observe. If traditional leaders were empowered with the knowledge I guess they will be in a position to assist. A typical example, if there's going to be an event in the rural areas, a traditional leadership cannot even disperse the mask for that event. They cannot even give people the mask for that event. They are not even able to share a sanitizer. It is a challenge. People should provide themselves for those sanitizers in the rural areas. Mind you, people are not working. If 
there are no interventions. People will go to those traditional ceremonies. I guess the things that I'm raising here are things that you know, Mshegas. I think that your team knows that these are the challenges that we are faced with. So the contribution of the traditional leaders in addressing these challenges is minimal because they are not capacitated. They are not resourced actually. Because I, if government is able to distribute a mask in the urban areas, what is difficult to do that in the traditional communities where a traditional leader will then have these uh, masks, will have these sanitizers. So anyone who will come and report to the traditional leader to say, on such a day, they will have this traditional ceremony. Then these are the things that you need to have. I don't think that budget can be in a position to say it can cost the government because it's all about to save lives. Look in the township. We have stories of the PPEs that the money disappeared into thin air. It has never reached the traditional communities, the rural areas. We still have challenges. We've got a long way to go for as long as these things are not addressed properly. As we speak, I've heard in the news today that now there's going to be a mandatory vaccination. It is a challenge on its own because our president told us this is voluntarily. Now, if you are told today, you cannot go to Discam, you cannot go to Click, you cannot go to Gabe if you could not produce a document that proves that you have vaccinated. In the news, they are saying no vaccination, no alcohol. I, is it not forcing people to take this? Surely people will not resist this because vaccinations are there to protect the lives, but the information that is lacking. Should people be informed, they are able also to make informed decisions about their lives. I guess that's where we are missing. Not that people, they don't want to vaccinate, but the lack of information thereof. When there are challenges, when we have these side effects of the vaccinations, people will be scared. There'll be a high level of hesitancy because there is no balance we don't reach equilibrium in terms of taking the vaccination, in terms of addressing the challenges of the side effects. And the only solution that can happen, it is my appeal, an honest appeal, that it is not late for the government to start embarking on community meetings, community dialogues. I'm telling you, it will save, it will save lives. It will save lives indeed. And to round off our discussion, Prince Tabane, what do you think the COVID-19 pandemic has taught us about the importance of adaptation and changing our way of life? In what ways are traditional leaders helping the communities that they serve make this adaptation and make these changes to a new way of life? We have seen things that we never thought of. I'll just make an example. When we talk about uh, this new adaptation, the new way of life. In the rural areas, when we have funerals, they used to take the whole day. We have been saying that, how can we change? But it was not easy to arrive at that decision because people are used to how they do things. But with this uh, new adaptation to say funerals should take only two hours or should be in the morning. It has helped us. In fact, in some of the issues, it has 
assisted us to go back to our roots. Remember in the olden days, funerals were done in the early hours of the morning because people were scared to have funeral during the day. When we did not have the issues of refrigerators where people can be kept there, we will always make sure that we bury people even before the sunrise because of the smell that we are avoiding. Now it has assisted us. People are able now to go and bury their loved ones early and do other things. I'm just making this example because we have adapted to that. And I guess and I think in many villages, it will be not easy now to go back of taking the whole day on the funeral processes because we've seen this thing is doable. The other thing that this new normal has just impacted on us is the way of surviving. Now that people are no longer working, now that people they do not have money, it has encouraged people to go back to their fields and plow their fields and till their lands so that they can get veg from their land. It has forced people to go back uh, to the status quo that we used to have. It has done a lot. That is my take, which I've observed in the communities. It has made people to look, to do introspection, to say, these are the things that we're doing. Now we know to go back. I've just listened to the stats that more than 586,000 people have lost their job because of the pandemic. But what does that mean? Even in the township, people came to me and say, where can you assist us to get in bill and the seeds because we want to plow? The rain is about to come now. That tells you that people are adapting to the new normal. Indeed. Very spirited discussion we've just had here on the COVID report. Our guest, the Contralesa Provincial Chairperson, Prince Manene Tabane, um, also Prince of the Mbondomise Nation from the Eastern Cape, Mbondomise, has just been joined us, joining Thank us you. here on the COVID <laughs> report to help us unpack the role that traditional leaders have in helping the communities that they serve adhere to COVID-19 regulations and the challenges that traditional leaders themselves faced with this task of helping the communities that they serve adhere to the regulations that have been put in place by our leaders to facilitate the end of the COVID-19 pandemic. Prince Tabane, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for the insight that you have given to us into this challenge that traditional leaders face in relation to this pandemic. And we look forward to having you on the show again for future discussions in the future. So one more time, thank you so much for joining us. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1 or stream by www.vafm.co.za.